This program is made possible by the friends and partners of Unspeakable Joy. In the book of Ephesians chapter 6 and verse number 9, the Apostle Paul makes this statement. And ye masters, do the same things unto them, forbearing threatening, knowing that your master also is in heaven, neither is there any respect of persons with him. That last little phrase there, what that means is God don't care who you are. You can't be ugly to nobody. God doesn't care if you're a supervisor. God doesn't care if you're a multimillionaire. God doesn't care if you own the whole thing. He says he is your master and he is no respect of persons. And so he says you better line yourself up knowing that you're going to stand account before God and you will not be able to pull out your ID badge and tell God who you were. The Apostle Paul wrote 27 or he wrote over 30% of the 27 books in the New Testament. If the New Testament epistles of doctrine were a mountain, and if they served as a doctrinal mountain, Ephesians would be up close to the pinnacle of that. In the book of Ephesians, you've got doctrines like the greatness of His power. You've got doctrines like the goodness of His salvation. You've got doctrines like the glory in His church. And then you get to chapter 4, 5, and 6, and you've got the doctrine of the growth of the people of God. You see, the Lord is not interested in you and I being Sunday-only believers. You see, God doesn't want what you get in here to only help you eternally. God is trying to turn you into the image of Jesus Christ, not just eternally, but every single day of your life. Beloved, I remind you right now, if what you got on Sunday doesn't change you on Monday, then what you got on Sunday wasn't much worth shouting for on Sunday. If it does not help you, change you, mature you, challenge you, then I promise you it was not the Spirit of God. Now, what does that mean? Here's what that means. That means on Monday, if you're still percolating what happened on Sunday, it might have been a song. It might have been a word and a message. It might have been a part of a prayer. It may have been something passing in conversation, but that thing is percolating, then you'll know you were in the presence of God Almighty. Whenever Paul gets to chapter 4, 5, and 6, he begins dealing with six different groups of people. He deals, first of all, with wives. Then he deals with husbands. Then he turns and he deals with children. Then he deals with fathers. Then he deals with servants or workers. And then he deals with masters or bosses. This follows a portion of Scripture that you and I, have, we've heard it preached a bunch of times, for, uh, Ephesians chapter 5, verse number 18. And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be ye filled with the Spirit. Be controlled. Be under the influence. Be guided. Be touched. Be turned by the Holy Spirit of God. But it is amazing to me that after he talks about the filling of the Holy Ghost, he gets into six specific people. Now, honey, I've heard messages about a Spirit-filled wife. And ladies, I ain't going to tell you who, but I've had some of your husbands want me to preach more messages on them Spirit-filled wives. 
Now, then number two, I've heard a lot of messages on them. Don't look at me like that. It wasn't me. I'm just telling you what the people of God said. But, and then I've heard messages on the spirit-filled husband. And we probably could use a few more messages like that. I've heard messages on spirit-filled children where it says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. I've heard messages on spirit-filled fathers. Fathers, provoke not your children to wrath. I've heard messages on that. I've even heard messages on being a good employee and being spirit-filled at the job. But I have to say that in my 17, almost 18 full years of preaching the gospel... And in all of the meetings that I've been in in the course of my days, I do not know that I've ever heard a message on a spirit-filled boss. In verse number 9, though, that's exactly who the Apostle Paul was dealing with. He was dealing with a boss, somebody that God had put in authority, somebody that God had blessed to be the one in charge. Now, let me ask you a question tonight. How many of you would agree it is the will of God for a wife to be spirit-filled? Absolutely. How many of you would agree tonight that it is God's will for a husband to be spirit-filled? Absolutely. And a father? Yes, absolutely. And a, and, a, and a servant? Yes, absolutely. But yet I'm wondering tonight, why do we not expect business owners and bosses and managers and plant managers and general managers and anybody that leads anybody, why do we not expect them to be spirit-filled? Now, here's what amazed me. You realize that Paul only gives... He gives one verse to the wives. He gives three verses to the men. He gives six verses to the spotless church. He gives one verse to the children. He gives two verses to the father. And he gives one verse to the worker. But he gives two verses to the boss. Here's the point. He gives the same amount of real estate to bosses as he does husbands and fathers and employees and more than he does to children and women. So tonight what I'm trying to get into you is that God doesn't take a rain check just because you go to the office. God doesn't take a rain check because you put on a hard hat. God doesn't take a rain check because you put on a uniform somewhere. Ladies and men, God doesn't take a rain check because you put on an ID badge. God doesn't take a rain check on me because I have employees and I'm a pastor. No, beloved, I have got to be just as spirit-filled in my leading of people and my boss, my bossship or my boss or whatever you want to say in my, my, my position as a leader, I've got to be just as spirit-filled in that as I am being a husband, being a father and anything else that God allows me to do. So tonight, here's what I want to help some of you bosses with. I want to give you six words that as a leader, as a boss, and you may not be in a leadership position tonight, but you might be one day. And I promise you this, if you start right, you'll be a whole lot better trying to, trying to be right if you start right rather than starting wrong and trying to change the whole ship in the halfway point. So tonight I'll give you six words on what every boss is expected to accomplish and be and what you need from God. Beloved, I remind you tonight, just because you're a boss doesn't mean you're God. And I don't mean that to belittle. I mean this, just because you're put in a level of leadership 
worship does not mean that you automatically possess everything that you've got to have at that moment. Honey, you've got to have God. So let me give you six words. Number one, the first thing that a spirit-filled boss has got to have is dependence. Look at what Ephesians chapter 5, verse number 18 says. He says, and be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be ye filled with the Spirit. Here's what the Apostle Paul meant. He said, I want you to be controlled by the Spirit. I want you to be guided by the Spirit. I want you to be in tune with the Spirit. I want you to be honed in with the Spirit. I want you to know what the Spirit's mind is. Just as you are not in your right frame of reference when you're drunk, Paul says flip it around because that same intoxication or that same mindset ought to be in you. When a man or a woman is intoxicated, they are thinking based off of the intoxication. And they don't do it based off of logic. They don't do it based off of what makes sense. They do something that's out of the ordinary because they are under the influence of a foreign substance. Now, beloved, I don't try to belittle what I'm about to say, but there needs to be a level of Holy Ghost intoxication. And what that means is you operate based off of what God tells you to do and what the Spirit leads you to do, not what makes sense, not what everybody else says that you ought to do, not what everybody else says you ought to be accomplishing, but you've got to follow God and be led by him. Now, here's what often happens when a business owner gets into the position. Man, they don't have anything when they start out. They got nothing. They got no clients. They got no details. They got no contacts. They got no people. And man, they're desperate. I mean, they got to have God. They need to have God. They're on their face praying. They're on their face fasting. They're on their face going after God. But all of a sudden, the blessings start coming in. I've seen it with pastors. I've seen it with preachers. I've seen it with Christians. All of a sudden, the blessings. Some of you that have been in church right now know exactly what I'm saying. The blessings roll in. I see it in marriages all the time. They start strong, but yet they get blessed, and God starts opening up doors, and you slowly see them start moving backwards, and they get out of this thing. Here's what I remind you of, child of God. The same God that you needed to start the program is the same God that you've got to have to keep it going. You've got to have God every day of your life. Every day, it would be a good prayer for you to pray before I even let my feet hit the bed. I wish I could take credit for this, but I stole it from Charles Stanley, so I'll give him the credit there. Here's what he said. He said before he even puts his feet on the ground, he looks up to his Father in heaven and says, Lord, before I go anywhere, I want you to know you're welcome with me as I make my journey today. You're welcome with me wherever I go. I do that every morning before I get up out of my bed, before I go and get the coffee going, before I put on my bedroom shoes. I say, now, Lord, before I do anything, I want you to know you're welcome in my day, and I cannot make it without you. I cannot go anywhere without you. I cannot survive without you. You say, but wait a second. You've got a bigger church than you had when you started. You've got more influence than you had when you started. And if a humble person will really understand what that means, that means I've got to have him more now than I've ever had to have him. Honey, I've got a bigger burden. I've got a bigger load. And I've got to have him more and more and more. And here's what happens, though. Those blessings start coming, and they start meeting the need, and you start having more, and you start depending on that money, those contacts. So here's a question that I want to ask a business owner. How do you be or keep that dependence coming on God? Here's how you do it. Are you ready? Keep 
moving forward. Keep expanding and enlarging your coast. We do that right now at this church. Everything we do, we try to do it by faith. Honey, the church has got more money at this moment than we have had in my time here and probably in its... But listen to me now. It would be very easy to hunker down and hold that and get dependent on that and say, we've got everything we need. No, what we've got to do is we say, Lord, we're going to keep moving forward. We're going to keep looking ahead. We're going to keep enlarging our coast. If you build and get paid for say God you paid for this building what can we do now if your car gets paid for and you you paid for your company truck start saying Lord what now can I do where can I grow if you'll constantly keep looking forward you'll keep that dependence on God because if you're always going somewhere you've never been you'll constantly be looking for somebody who can take you there that's how you stay dependent. If pastors that will watch this live stream, boys, don't you ever forget this. The way that you stay dependent on God is always have a dream that is bigger than yourself. Always have a vision that is bigger than yourself. Man, I've got dreams and ambitions right now for the church and for the ministry that would reach to Pluto if God would actually let me do them. But I know that I can't do them. So what that does, that's what gets me. It would be so easy for me to go to my bed tonight and sleep in tomorrow and mosey around. Y'all wouldn't know about it. You wouldn't have a clue. I'd go preach my meeting Monday night, go preach my meeting Tuesday night, lay around in the bed all day, come here on Wednesday night, eat whatever we're eating down here in the dinner, come in here, give you a little sermonette made for the Christianette, driving their Corvette. Say amen right there. Here's what I'm telling you. Here's the whole point. You wouldn't have any idea, but here's what God's done. He's put a vision. He's put a dream. He's put something beyond me. And that vision and that dream is what helps you not be complacent. And it's what helps you not get settled. And I remind every boss, every leader, if you're the plant manager, be thinking about what's beyond the plant manager. If you're on your own salon, think about what's beyond owning that salon. If you've got somebody working in your shop, be thinking about hiring the next guy. If You'll constantly stay growing. You'll constantly stay dependent. You've got to have God every day of your life. You say, but I've already made all the money that I can possibly make. Here's what you need God to do. You need to say, God, I need you to show me right now how to walk in an arena that I've never been in before. If you'll constantly be looking at an area you've never been in, you'll constantly need God to take you to that area. So that's the first word. Every spirit-filled boss has got to have dependence on God. Here's the second word, number two. Every spirit-filled boss needs this word, wisdom. Wisdom. James chapter five, 1, verse number 5. If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. Beloved, every morning when you wake up, I mean, if you're in your quiet time, if, you're, if it's even before you get out of bed, you need to pray this prayer, boss, leader, whatever you are. You need to say, Lord, I have no idea what lies beyond this day. I have no idea what I'm going to meet today, but I'm asking you right now to give me the wisdom to meet that thing and not fumble and not stumble. Beloved, there is absolutely nothing in this world that says because you've been given a position of leadership that you've got to know it all, that you've got to have all the answers. And I remind every Christian, just because you've been given a promise by God doesn't mean you've got all the answers either. 
I want to show you a verse in the book of Genesis, chapter 25, verse number 22. There's a woman in the Bible. Her name is Rebecca. Her husband's name is Isaac. And Abraham has told Isaac through his wife, Rebecca, you are going to have the seed of God. You're going to have the Messiah birthed through your loins. And she's got that promise. I want you to imagine how excited. She knows she's going to have a baby. She knows she's going to have this child. And one day, this is before sonograms. This is before ultrasounds. The Bible says that the pain within her doubles her over. King Tyler version doubles her over. And this is what she says in verse 22. She makes this statement. The children struggled within her. They're fighting inside her. She has no idea. There's no ultrasound, no sonogram. And this is what she says. She says, Lord, if it is so, if I'm going to have the Messiah's seed, if it is so, why am I thus? Watch this phrase. And she went to inquire of the Lord. Beloved, you do understand the reason a God that as a boss, God will give you something that you cannot handle is he's trying to give you those things that will draw you to himself. There's nothing wrong when somebody, about the worst thing you can do as a leader, the worst thing you can do as a boss is give a quick answer. About the worst thing you can do is answer right then because that's when opinion gets in there. That's when impression gets in there. That's when logic gets in there. What is wrong? When somebody brings a problem to you, you say, all right, let's pray about that for a day or so. Let's, you got to do it right now. Let's pray about it for about 30 seconds. You know why? Because if you are constantly making logical decisions, how do you ever expect supernatural ends? If you're constantly doing what's logical by man's mind, you'll never have the supernatural ways of God. Sometimes God will have you do crazy stuff. Sometimes God will say, no, that's not the direction to walk in. Go in this. I tell this story all the time, but there's visitors here tonight, so I've, y'all just appease my interest. Here's what happened to me. What happened to me is when we started this TV program, uh, we were about a year in, church paying for it. It was, it was really draining the church. I finally said, God, I need you to show me how in the world can we bring in the support separate from the church? How can we do that where the TV pays for itself and can grow? Man, I'm expecting God to give me the 700 Club campaign mentality. You get on there for 30 seconds and you ask for this amount of money and all of a sudden it'll flow in. I was waiting on that. Man, I was reading every book on sweepstakes. I was reading every book on marketplace. I was reading every book on logic. I was looking how to raise money, looking how to... Don't look at me like that. That's exactly what you do. That's logical. And Holy Ghost one day, what I did is I went to inquire of the Lord and I made the worst mistake you can ever make. I said, Lord, I'll do whatever you tell me to do. You better be mighty careful about making that statement. And the Holy Ghost, I can tell you, I can tell you what what the words felt like in my ear. It was so real. The Holy Spirit in my heart, he said, give it all away. I said, give all what away? Give what away? Lord, I ain't got nothing to give. How am I going to give it away? There ain't no money. How am I going to give it away? And he started dealing with me about giving out resources. People call, give it out. Don't ask for money. I inquired of the Lord. And remember what I said, God's ways are not man's ways. 
You see, you've got to ask for wisdom, and we all know the rest of the story from there. But you've got to go, boss. Don't be afraid when something comes up tomorrow. Don't be afraid when something comes up this week. It doesn't matter if it's a machine. It doesn't matter if it's a, a personnel issue. It does not matter if it's a financial issue. It does not matter what it is. Why do you not take it to God and say, God, I need your wisdom? Can I ask you a question? How many of you with an uplifted hand would say, I believe Jesus loves me and cares about every area of my life? All right, that's every hand just about in this room. Then why don't you take every area of your life to him? What are we doing? We've lost our minds. Somebody comes to you. These boys, it makes him so mad. They'll come, they'll say, what do we do about such and such? Well, I guess we'll pray about it. We got to do something now. I guess we need to pray about it then. I love this quote by Martin Luther, the, the great German reformer. This is what he said. He said, I am so busy today that I must pray for two hours this morning. I am so busy today that I must pray for two hours today. God, I need you to show me what to do. Number three, here's the third word you need. The third word you need is the word gratitude. Every boss, every manager, every leader needs to have this gratitude. There's a verse in John chapter number 19, verse number 11. The Lord Jesus is standing before Pilate there, in the, uh, there at the, uh, the, the lithostrotos where the cross is going to be laid on the back of the Lord Jesus. And he looks at Jesus and he says, you know they're saying all types of blasphemous things about you. You know they're saying all types of stuff about you. What do you say for yourself? And Jesus stands quiet. He whispers not a word. And Pilate looks at him. I can imagine old Pilate taking that clad Roman finger, reaching back behind his hip, pointing his snarly Roman finger at the nose of the loving Lamb of God. And he says this in verse 11. He says, don't you know I have the authority to crucify you? And Jesus looks at him and says this, thou couldst have no power at all except my Father gave it to you. Beloved, when you realize you didn't earn a thing, can I ask you a question? Why did you get that promotion? Do you honestly think it was your wit? Honey, we can't even get in out of the rain if God shut our mind off. We wouldn't know how to change the oil if God shut our minds off. You say, you, you, do people know good even though they're not in church? Don't tell me people know good if they're not in the house of God. You look at the, the crazies up there running Washington. They got all the money and all the libraries and all the wisdom and they're still studying how squirrels open up acorns. Everything that you and I have is a gift from God. And I say that because of this. As a boss, as a leader, problems will come on you. Personnel problems, financial problems, equipment problems, people problems. You'll have all these things that pile up and the devil will say, it ain't worth it. It ain't worth it. But you need to let the God of heaven take you back when you were praying back there. God, give us liberty. Give us blessing. Give us help. And now God has given it to you. You've got to say, Lord, even in my problem. I just want to say thank you for being good to me because Lord except you gave it to me I could have nothing at all. I want to tell you something. Nobody loves this church like I love this church. But every now and again just every now and again, not, not a lot just every now and again and it ain't nobody here tonight so I'm, I'm going to talk about them because they ain't here tonight. You know that person that you just, 
to right there with. You know, don't, don't y'all act like y'all ain't got too many people in your lives. I do enough counseling with you people. I hear y'all stories. I know y'all got right there too. And man, I'm telling you, I'll go home on Sunday night and I'll tell Erica, it ain't worth it. It ain't worth it. And I listen to me. I, I wish everybody could have a wife like mine. She's sweet. She's kind. But dear mercy, she's honest. I wish she'd just lie to me every now and again. And just say, I know, honey, they're awful. You're wonderful. Anybody else's wife just honest? Man. I say, I'm done. I'm through. I'm over it. It ain't worth it. Something will happen on the television. Somebody will write a letter saying they hate me, saying I, I'm worse, than, I'm worse than, than all the people, Ted Bundy's and all the people, that I'm a murderer, that I'm a baby. I'm, I mean, just, all, and I'll say, it ain't worth it. And you know all I want every now and again? I want somebody to come to my pity party. Don't you just wish somebody would come to your pity party every now and again? I get the invitations, the balloons, and all the refreshments, and nobody shows up. Tony, I bet you'd come. I bet you would. Nothing. And I'll say, I'm done. I'm out. And she'll say, isn't that the person you prayed God would send? Isn't that TV ministry the one you prayed God would bless? Ain't that the such and such you asked God to send you? And I don't know about you, but man, the voice of the Holy Ghost sounds a lot like my wife. <laughs> and fellas, let me give you a tip, and I'm not playing about this. I'm not being funny about this. But you'll be amazed at how the Spirit of God will use your wife's words to guide you in the right way. And I always tell young couples in marriage counseling, do not belittle the advice of that lady. No, sir. Because you'll be amazed. You'll be amazed at how the Holy Ghost will put His Word in her mouth. Are you ready for this? What does the Bible say about a woman? I told you last week, 1 Peter chapter 3. She's the weaker vessel. And here's why God will put it in her mouth. He'll put truth in the weaker vessel's mouth. Not lesser vessel, weaker vessel. Because what you'll have to do is you will have to humble your pride, sir, to listen to her. That's how God does it. And beloved, here's what I'm telling you right now, getting back to this point about gratitude. The things we complain about, the things we get mad about, those were the things we asked for. Those are the offsets of the blessings that we beg God for. And I know it's stressful. I know there's a lot. But would you want to go back to the way it really was? Do you want to go back to when you were begging, when you were pleading, when you were asking? No, God's given us everything. And if it did not come from God, and so the best thing you can do when a problem arises is say, Lord, I want to thank you for the good in spite of the bad. Gratitude. Number four, I'll give you the fourth word right quickly. The fourth word is the word humility. Matthew chapter 20, verse number 26 and 27. Here's what Jesus said. But it shall not be so among you, but whomsoever will be the greatest among you, let him be your minister. And whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. 
Now, bosses, this is incredibly important for a boss that's going to be spirit-filled. Here's what I want to remind you of. This world's ways and our God's ways are absolutely stark opposite. God doesn't operate like this world. Here's what the world operates. The higher you go, the more people have to bow down to you, the more belittling you can be to people. You can yell at people if you're their boss. You can put them down. And I'm not saying, bosses, there are not times when you've got to set things right and you've got to move in direction and you've got to keep the ships running in line. But as a child of God, our Lord, He had disciples that turned their back on Him. He had people that left Him. He had people that walked away. And you'll find not one time did the Lord Jesus ever bring up something negative against somebody that was beneath Him. It was the old hypocrite Pharisees that He said, Woe are you, you scribes and hypocrites, but the people that were broken. He looked down at a woman taken in the issue, in the very act of adultery, and He looked at her and said, Woman, where are thine accusers? He didn't call her adulteress. He said woman. He gave her dignity. He gave her credibility. He was humble. He got down on her. Look, you ever wondered why it was that Jesus wrote in the sand? I don't think what he wrote was nearly as important as why he wrote. You know why he got down there? Because she was able to see his hand. Jesus got in the dirt because he wanted her, dear God, to see that hand because in just a few days it was going to be that hand that would be nailed to a cross that woman was guilty that woman was taken in the very act of adultery that woman was worthy of death but he wanted to give her a reminder that my hand is about to pay the price for your sin and by my stripes you will be healed but the Lord Jesus could have sent her to hell but he said this woman go sin no more he was humble you see, bosses in this world, the way bosses in this, they want you, they want their employees to wipe their shoes. They want their employees to, to shine their this or, or to move their that. They want to be pampered. They want to be bowed down to. But this is what Jesus says about a pastor and about a Christian that is a boss. He says, if you want to be spirit-filled, you will have to be humble. Now listen to me. Meekness is not weakness. Meekness is not weakness. What is meekness? Here's what meekness is. It's remembering that you are pointing people to Christ and that's the mission, not making money. If making money's the mission, I can beat anybody down I want to. I can push anybody aside that I want to. I can throw anybody to the trash that I want to because I can get another dollar. But as a child of God, we're mission-minded. We're on a goal. We've got something that we're pressing toward. And it's not about making money. Honey, money is just a means to an end. Money is how we get the gospel out. Money is how we bless other people. And so now, since it's not about money, but it's about people... Now I can get down to where they're at and I can say, you deserve one thing, but I received mercy. And I'm going to give it to you. And bosses, even when it comes time to part ways with people, a humble person will do it with such a brokenness, no matter how sorry the worker is, because there's real humility. You will know that you are a humble boss whenever it comes time to terminate somebody that deserves it. And as they walk away, all you can see is the fact that Jesus has never put you out to pasture. Whenever you start looking and saying, Lord, bless them. Get them to the place where they're blessable. 
then you'll know your humility. Now listen to me. I'm not talking about being a pushover. I'm not, you've got to, right is right, wrong is wrong. The ships have got to run on time. The organization has got to bottom. We understand all that. But it's not about making you a king. It's about showing everybody who your king is. That's what it means to be a humble boss. Let me give you number five. Number five, it's the word generosity. It's the word generosity. I want you to look back at verse number 9 now in chapter 6 of Ephesians. Watch what Paul says. He says, And ye masters, do the same things unto them. Wait a second. Do the same. What's the same thing? If you want to know what the same thing is, go back to verse number 8. Look at what verse number 8 is talking about. Knowing that whatsoever good that any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord. Here's what Paul's talking about. Paul was saying to the servant back in verse 7 and 8. He said, now servants, when you serve, make sure you are generous in what you give. Generous in how you operate. If they pay you a, a salary that earns or deserves that much work, you give them that much work. If, if, if you, they deserve that much mercy, you give them that much mercy. He said, because what you give, the Lord will give it back to you. Then he goes to verse 9. He says, now bosses, masters, do the same thing to them. He said, beloved, I want you to understand that the key to blessing is being good to people. Don't you ever forget that line. The key to the blessing of God is being good to people. And this is what that means, bosses. It means at the end of the day, you don't look at how little you can pay them in order for them to get by. You look at how much you can pay them and still get by. I'll back that little tractor on up and I'll hit that one again. Beloved, this life is not about money. This life is not about finances. This life, it's about people and it's about helping broken people find the one that can mend their heart. And as a boss, I've got a job and my job is to make sure that people know they're loved and appreciated. It may not be with a big salary. I know some of you, your job is contingent on other jobs. So you may not be able to give a big salary. But what do you do for your employees when you've had a good month? What do you do for your employees when the special times come in their life? I say this all the time. You can't give, not everybody can give somebody $100,000, but everybody can give somebody an extra dollar. Beloved, the, the key to the blessing of God is generosity. He says, because boss, as you... I can tell y'all are eating this point up. I think I'll stay here just a tad bit longer because I'm telling you right now, until the people of God get in their mind, the ways of the world are not the ways of God. The ways of the world say, get, 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 keep, keep, keep. The ways of God say, get, 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 give, 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 and you'll keep getting, 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 so you can keep giving, giving, giving. The key to blessing is always generosity. It's always generosity. Generosity, always generosity, always generosity. Now, I'll give you the sixth word, number six. Now, you know what? Let me back up. Let me get, some of y'all don't believe me. How many of you believe every word in the Bible is written by God? Wave your hand at me. Then let me give you some verses on giving. Write these verses down. Luke chapter 6, verse number 38. Give and it shall be given unto you. 
pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure ye meet, with all it shall be measured to you again. And let me stop right there. Listen, just because you're stingy with somebody's and people, I've heard, I heard a millionaire tell me this one time, and it was the first conversation and the last conversation I had with this man. He said, you know what? I pay my employees as little as possible, and God still blesses me. I said, wait a second. God's scales don't balance like that, brother. Just because God's opened up the money, your family's falling apart. I've talked to people before, and they've got all the dollars they can have, but not one moment of peace in their family. God don't measure things out like you and I measure things out, youngins. It don't work that way. He says, with what you meet, it will be meted back to you. Let me give you Deuteronomy. This, I love this verse. I've never seen this verse. Paid attention to it till yesterday. Deuteronomy chapter 15, verse number 10. Thou shalt surely give him, and thine heart shall not be grieved when thou givest unto him. For that this thing the Lord thy God shall bless thee in all thy works. Let me give you Proverbs chapter 3, verse number 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with thy substance, and with the first fruits of thine increase, so shall thy barns be filled with plenty. This is one of my favorite verses that God brings to my mind almost weekly. Proverbs 19, 17. He that hath pity on the poor lendeth unto the Lord, and that which he giveth will he repay. Every time, boss, every time, sir, ma'am, you've got money, every time you give to somebody less fortunate than you, you just made a deposit into God's piggy bank and you gave it to the Lord. God treats that as if you gave God a loan. A loan. Beloved, you show me one note God hadn't made good on. God's never taken out a note he doesn't make good on. Now let me give you number six, the sixth word. Do you have six words so far? Dependence, wisdom, gratitude, humility, generosity. Number six, gentleness. Gentleness. Watch what Paul said in verse number nine of chapter six. He says, and ye masters, do the same things unto them. Watch this phrase. For bearing threatenings. You see, in Paul's day, the way that a master got a servant or a slave to do his job was with a whip. The threat of pain. Paul said, you masters, you don't get any physical whips and sure enough, you better not have any verbal whips. Child of God, as a boss, a lot of times the easiest way to get somebody to do something is to threaten them. Well, if you don't do this, I'll tell you right now, you won't be working here tomorrow. You don't do this, I'll tell you right now, your paycheck ain't coming. You say that's the only thing that works. No, 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 no. That is what you have found that works. But fear is the only language that you and the devil speak together. Fear is a taskmaster that will get the job done, but love is a leader that will change a life. I promise you right now, Preacher Lemons used to say this all the time, Erica. He'd say, you catch more flies with honey 
than you do with vinegar. I looked at him one time. I'd gotten so mad at something. I said, I don't want to catch no flies. He said, son, let me help you with something then. He said, in your life, loving people will cause them to follow you off a cliff. Driving people will force you to push people off a cliff. Beloved, if you're a boss, change the way you talk to your employees. You say, my employees are sorry. Then beg God to give you new ones. But you have no excuse for talking to them like the devil talks to you. Forbearing, threatening. These are the three prayers we've been praying over our businesses. And we're going to pray them again tonight. Lord, make me blessable. Number two, Lord, give me your blessing. And number three, God, make me a blessing. Every day of your life, pray these three things over your wife, your husband, your children, your business, your home, and everything that God gives you. And I promise you, you will go to the grave saying, Lord, truly, you have been good to me.